What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the Santi Aldama <laughs> Show. Somebody call this man in Vegas and tell him how to say that man's name right. For the love of God, he's out there cooking the Nets tonight. And Nissan Altima. Call this man Nissan Altima, man. Pretty much the whole game. The commentators and and the PA announcer was was, was saying it wrong, man. I was like, man, come on. And also, also, I got this crow for all you guys that were ready to to, to cut the cord and get rid of my. Hey man, I'll, my cord is still cut. No, I said, I said I had a couple more. I said give me a couple more games, man. He he balled out before I reached that two game limit, so I'm, 30, I'm still in the clear, man. Out cap. cap. I got the receipt. I'm still in the clear. I got the receipt. Oh, I love it. I love it. So we are back. Sorry about the delay. We had some technical issues. We were planning on running a, a couple of shows actually during this summer league. And my computer decided to go crazy on me. So I spent entirely too much time last night getting it back up and running. So here we are. We got three games to cover. Uh, let, let's actually, we'll start with the beginning. We'll start with the butt whooping that the Clippers handed them. The Clippers beat them 94 to 76. And this was uh, was one of the games where uh, Aldama was getting a ton of hate, and rightfully so. He he was not good in this game. Really struggled. Looked like man a fish out of water. Honestly, like that. There was definitely some things that uh, that he was doing that warranted criticism. But I, mean, I, I wasn't really all that worried uh, about this game with the Clippers. I think there are a lot of guys that are borderline roster players for that Clippers team. Yeah. And those guys were out there. They were really, like, they were trying to make that team. And not that you have guys on the Grizzlies that were not trying, but I just I felt like the level of urgency from the Clippers was significantly higher than what we were seeing from the Grizzlies. Yeah, I tweeted that out after the game. That, that's exactly my assessment of it, man. Clippers came out, fired up. You could tell from the tip. Man. They were ready to go, and they were playing that game like it was the last game they were going to play. And for some of these guys, I mean, that's, not far from the truth. Um, I think the Grizzlies have a lot of guys, not that they just came out and didn't take the game seriously, but a lot of these guys on the Grizzlies team, they know pretty much their spot is cemented for this season. And you look at that Clippers team, they have a lot of guys that are just trying to make teams, whether it's the Clippers or another team or want teams overseas to look at them and have a good game, and they were hungry. I mean, Musa Diabate had a really good game for them. B.J. Boston uh, with 15 points. Um, they, had, they had a, a forward uh, Perry. Uh, came out of the bench with 17 points for them. I mean, they just played well, man. It felt like they were hitting everything, man. You look down uh, this box score, I mean, 31 of 74 from the field overall for the team. I mean, they just just wanted it more. I mean, offensive rebounds, putbacks. You can just tell, man, the Grizzlies were just a step slow uh, from the beginning, man. It just didn't get much better, man. They just kind of got ran out the floor in that one. But uh, outside of that one, man, that's the only performance, probably uh, the, the only performance of this summer league schedule, even going back to Utah, where – you felt like the Grizzlies really didn't show up. Uh, even in the other game, they lost. Uh, they didn't play as bad as they did in this one. So, I uh, feel pretty good, man. They've only lost, what, two games uh, the, the entire time since they've been out there, man. So, pretty pretty good showing, man. But, yeah, man, that was a, a tough one um, against the Clippers. But, again, I think it's exactly what you said. I, I just felt like the Clippers have a lot of guys on that team that it's un, their future is uncertain, man. And they're, they're out there trying to trying to make a spot, man, make their mark. And I think that's what we saw and. Man, Grizz go went on to lose that one by 18, 94 to 76. And and to add to that, I think an, another thing that made it even more of a of a stark contrast, I think, for the 
for this team is they didn't play against OKC. OKC was the most NBA-ready team opportunity that a lot of these starters had the opportunity to play against. And since they were sat, a lot of them were rested for that game, it was sort of a shock to the system. And like, like you said, these guys came out with that urgency. And to that point, they had not experienced any competition even close to that. And so I just think it caught them off guard. Uh, they didn't. They weren't able to sort of bounce back and respond. They, I mean, they tried to make a couple small runs here and there, but it was just too deep of a hole for them to be able to dig themselves out of. And ultimately, they they lost that one by eighteen. So, yeah, I'm I'm wondering if they're going to. I got the standings up. I know we were kind of looking at it a little bit before we got on here, but I'm wondering if the Grizzlies are going to be able to sneak into this championship game, right? Because it's just the top two teams. And it's going to be based off of your record, obviously, and then your uh, your point differential from what I can see. That that may not be entirely correct. I didn't dive into it super deep. But with this win tonight against the Nets, and I know we were talking about the Clippers game here first, that, you know, it puts the Grizzlies in a spot where maybe, uh, maybe that's going to be the case. And if they do make it to the championship game, I'm interested to see – what type of lineup the Grizzlies run out there? Are they going to rest anybody? Or are they going to play to win that summer league championship? Um, you know, I, I I don't have a lot to to add to to this Clippers game. Really, just you know, just, just a rough showing. Um, saw some stuff from from guys that you like. I really love what I'm seeing from Kennedy Chandler in the summer league. And and Candace made a great point, kind of in in, in chat. She said that he gets dribble happy sometimes. I think some of that is youth. Um, I think that that will improve as he continues to uh, to play with this team and work with these coaches. But uh, his ability to change speeds, it's elite. He's crazy fast with the ball. And we've witnessed him make a number of different plays where he gets downhill, uh, you know, it just blows right past his man. And I, I know that it's summer league and you can't really, to me, I, like I'm trying to stay kind of even keel on it. Like you don't want to get too high or too low, but – some players just excel in this and some don't. Isaac made a great point on Twitter about, you know, you go back, you look at the history of the Grizzlies for guys that really blew up in the summer league and they were an absolute flop. So, you know, it's – I I don't want to get too high, but I liked Kennedy Chandler coming out of the draft. When we were doing draft coverage, we talked about him. And he's a guy I said, you know, if, if Jones leaves, I think he can come in and be a decent contributor year one, and he, he's kind of – he's showing that, I think, in the summer league. He's showing that he has those tools. Yeah, I believe – I was going to say – Oh, no, well, I was going to say again. real quick, I, I was going to say I believe he'll find his way on in this rotation uh, some kind of way. I think he's got some things to work on, but they're rookies that all do. And I think he he's shown enough that he could be a valuable asset on the court, especially given the guard depth situation of the Grizzlies right now. I think he can show himself a valuable asset to the team right now. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say two points. I got to go back to what David was talking about previously about resting guys. It's going to be interesting to see if they play guys tomorrow because it's a quick turnaround. Uh, they play at 2.30 tomorrow, so they don't have their full time out off like they usually do in between games back-to-back. Then it's an early back-to-back. Uh, so I think – and I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember exactly how they do this. I know they do tiebreakers, point differential. I can't remember if – two teams automatically advance, the top two teams automatically advance to the championship game, or do you have to play your way into the championship game? But I, I'm pretty sure them going three and one would be big. I think it puts them in a completely different category if they fall to two to two and two. So they need to win that game tomorrow. Uh, so that's that's going to be interesting to watch because they've kind of played guys two nights in Rosier and 
Tillman didn't play uh, back-to-back, but everybody else did. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they play it tomorrow. Uh, but on Kenny Chandler, yeah, man, I've watched him even going back to high school, and I was a big fan of his. I mean, even early on, man, shout-out to our guy Sean Coleman uh, from GBB. You know, he's a Tennessee fan, and me and him have talked about him a lot in the past and gone back and forth uh, with me being a, a Memphis guy. You know, we always – Hate on these drugs. Tennessee fans don't like Memphis fans very much. Memphis fans don't like Tennessee fans very much. But but Kenny Chandler, man, is a fantastic player. And he's also a really, really good young man as a person. Good, good locker room guy, high character guy. That's what I really love about him, even outside of what he does on the floor. But you definitely see some good things from him. I think point of attack defense, I think, is one of the things that I felt really good about him as far as his ceiling. I think he's going to really – be able to guard. And though the fact he's 6'0", we talk about that, 6'5", wingspan, man, super, super athletic, man, got hops, high vertical, so that allows him to play a lot bigger than he is. I mean, we've talked about possibly him being able to play on the floor with Jaw, him playing on the floor with Tyus because of that wingspan athleticism. I think he'll be able to do that, and I think that's why he'll find himself in this rotation. And you know there's going to be times where Jaw misses games. Tyus might even miss games. Uh, so I definitely think we're going to see him at some point this season in rotation. Because um, I, I think he's one of those guys that I think he, he'll be able to come in and be productive. Uh, I, I, it takes a lot of rookies sometimes to to kind of work their way into the NBA and kind of find their way. But he's a guy that I think will be able to contribute immediately. I think the only reason why you saw him fall at 38 is I think a lot of people were scared of that size uh, with him being six foot. He's a better player than the 38 pick in the draft. Um, and I think that's just another steal for Zach Kleinman. And again, I, I love the way this set up because we talked about this prior to the draft that if they sign Tyus on a short-term deal, which they end up doing two years, could they draft a, a, a guy that could develop as that possible replacement for him when he moves on after two years? And that's exactly how it played out. I mean, it gives them time to kind of look at Chandler and, and see if he can be that guy. Um, and then they can make a decision on whether they want to move Tyus. They could even possibly move him at the deadline this year. I don't know if that's what would happen, but if, if Kenley Chandler comes in and blows him away, maybe they go ahead and make that move and cash in um, on, on Tyus, but it gives them, puts them in a really good spot. So I'm I'm glad the way it worked out, but I'm a big fan of Kennedy, and I, I definitely think that he can move into that backup role, and I think you're going to see him even on the floor sometime this year. Yeah, I, I said on, on Twitter the other day, he, he is – at some point, I don't think that it's going to happen this year. I would be shocked if it happens at the trade deadline this year. But he's going to make Tyus expendable. I, I really believe that. And so, you know, whether it's at the trade deadline this year, which would be way faster than I expect, or it's the offseason next year, you know, you're going to be able to get something of value in return for Tyus. And you have a very solid replacement here. And, and he is – Obviously not played any real NBA minutes. It's only summer league, but it, the, the showing as well. Like He has the skills. We can see that for sure. So we'll move on kind of from the Clippers game into uh, game two at the Vegas summer league. It was uh, the Grizzlies against the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm struggling here. Uh, Memphis Tiger, former Memphis Tiger. It's a dagger in the heart that he got drafted by the freaking Timberwolves, man. man I hate it. Josh, 45. Man, they I I hate that so much because I I liked him in, in the the you know the draft process. We talked about him on the show, and I, and I've talked to about him at length with uh, 
that our guy here at Sports Ethos, Rhett Bauer, he is the uh, the host of the Pun Intended Dynasty podcast here, and we talked about uh, Minot's skill set and what he's able to do. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the Grizzlies handled well, – I'd say handled business. They didn't really beat the crack. They beat them by seven. But, uh, you know, they done what they needed to do. Santi Aldama heard all of you guys hating on him and comes out, <laughs> goes 50% from the field, drops 22-8 and eight with six steals and two blocks. Just putting the, that finger up, telling you we we in Memphis now, whatever it is, uh, you know, good good showing, good bounce back game from him. Uh, David Roddy had a, a pretty decent game. He's he's not really shot the ball that well. Uh, he, he's one we didn't really jump into much of anybody other than Aldama and uh, and Chandler in that first game. But uh, Isaac, well, Candice, you, you've been quiet for a while here, so I'm gonna throw it to you first. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from David Roddy so far in this summer league? Um, I like what we've seen. I think I think he's getting slowly slowly more comfortable. Uh, I saw some improvement in from him in game two. I think he was a little bit more aggressive, finding his spots. Um, you know, he still got some work to do on defense, but I think he's just you know the more the more comfortable he gets and the more he's able to find his spots. I think he'll be able to find the role. Um, that he'll be able to contribute for this team. So I've been pleased with him. I, uh, this game, yeah, I just lost my box score here. I forgot how many points he had this game. But he had a really great game today as well. So I just see the progress in him. And that's what you want to see in the summer league. I mean, every guy's going to come in with questions. Um, I know one of his biggest questions was on defense. But I, I just, just seeing that consistent progression from him. In fact, I'd say just from game one to now, I, I maybe see the, the biggest jump from him probably of all the rookies to this point at least in my opinion and so uh, that's always great to see yeah man to go back to um to before i talk about roddy and, and the grizzlies josh minot um covering the tigers he's a guy that i really like as well as just like david um and you were hoping that he was there man he was on the clock and minnesota comes up at 45 grizzlies sit there at 47 and they take him right there man your, your heart just sank because I, I thought for sure there was a Chance that he was laying on Bill Street, but I mean, he's up in Minnesota. But man, just raw, raw talent. I mean, but you see it, man. The leak, that athleticism. I mean, a guy that could guard all over the floor. I mean, if, if he reaches his ceiling, man, I think shooting is his biggest issue, man. Got to work on that offensive game. But I mean, he's like a mold of clay. I mean, you can mold him any which way, man. But he has all the skills to be a, a, a really solid player in this league. And man, I, I really want, want the Grizzlies to have that chance, especially seeing how this, this, Coaching staff develops players. I would have loved to see them get the opportunity to work with with my nine, man. I thought that would have been really good. But to talk about David, uh, David Roddy, to echo Candace's points, uh, I think his confidence has grown from game to game. But, I mean, you saw him tonight just out there playing free. I think earlier on in, in, in this process, I think he was forcing some things, mm-hmm. trying to figure some things out. Because I said earlier, like on an earlier podcast, I think just like a lot of us are, are thinking about him trying to figure out exactly – what his niche is, what his role is, where he fits. I think he was trying to do the same thing. Um, and I think he's kind of figured some things out. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about tonight's game. Uh, but at 10-9 and nine, um, against uh, Minnesota um, in, in that win, so you saw him playing a little bit better in that game, did not shoot the basketball well, went over 5 from 3, uh, but did have 10-9. and nine. That was his best game up to, to that date. So I've been, I, I feel pretty good about uh, where he is. I think you watched him in college, man. You know that he's skilled. I mean, he can shoot the basketball. I mean, he was had the best percentage out of any of these guys. I think he was at 45% on on pretty significant volume. I mean, it wasn't a small sample size. I think he shot over 100-something threes. 
um, on the season. And that's a lot of threes in college. That's that's a pretty, pretty significant sample size. So he can knock the basketball, knock the three down. There's no question about that. I don't have any questions about that. My only question with him is just kind of where does he fit? Is he a three? Is he a four? Yeah, who's he going to guard? But I think he'll be able to knock down shots. And he plays super hard. Um, he's one of those guys that you want on your team. He's going to give you 110%. He's tough, man. He can go down and bang down in the post because of his size. Um, has some playmaking ability, too. Uh, sees the floor really well, makes some great passes. You saw some of that tonight. Uh, so I've, I've been, I've, I feel pretty good about Roddy um, and, and where he is. And I understand what the front office saw in him. I mean, because he's skilled at that size. You, They have two unique prospects in him and Kenneth Lofton Jr., two guys that are not your normal, typical NBA guys, especially in today's NBA. Uh, but I think guys that both could could end up working out uh, because they're so unique. So it's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm excited to watch their progression as time goes on. One thing I like just, too, about, about David Roddy's game that's been needed is he, he's been good at rebounding, I think, pretty consistently throughout the summer league, um, even in his, in his games where he wasn't doing well from he was really having terrible shooting he was still finding value and getting rebounds and on trying to give second chance opportunities that way and I think he just saw him there uh, he had nine rebounds in, in the game against Timberwolves he, he had five even in that in that blowout loss against the Clippers um and then tonight I think he had well he only had three rebounds but he had a, a much better scoring night so you just want to see that that's something that I think is needed coming off the bench. You just want to see some extra, the extra rebounding because of how critical we've seen the rebounding be with Steven Adams being able to be such a good rebounder for the offense on the starter lineup. You you want, I don't, I'm not saying he can be the rebounder that Steven Adams is, but you just want more rebounding in that secondary unit, I think. Yeah, I, I think at times we, well, you know, specifically in the Minnesota series, we saw Steven Adams get played off of the floor. And so you, you when he is not on the floor, you need somebody that's going to be able to get down there and kind of fill his role. Um, and, and I think that Roddy is going to probably be able to slide into that, not necessarily guarding the fives as much. Like, you know, I, I think Roddy would match up pretty well against Carl Anthony Towns. I think that he can move his feet well enough to stay in front of him much better than what Adams could. But, yeah, I I like that from him. Uh, you know, to, in tonight's game against the Nets, uh, you know, he was 7 for 11 from the field. And that that's slightly misleading because a couple of his shots were at the end of the shot clock, and he didn't really have much of a choice. So he just had to try and get rid of the ball. Um, so, you know, you take those two off, and he, he's 7 for 9 from the field, and, and that looks a lot more impressive. Not that 7 for 11 is bad, but – you know, puts up his biggest biggest scoring performance with 20 points, had a block shot. You know, he's not turning the ball over that much. Uh, just doing a lot of things right. So Got a couple I, threes to go down tonight. Yeah, two of five. 40% tonight. Yep. Um, you know, so I think that he's a guy that you're going to see in, in South Haven. I think you're going to see him down there, you know, put in work, getting reps in to work on the things that that we're talking about here. I think the, the threes are going to fall for him. I, I'm confident in that. Like Isaac said, he shot the ball well in college, and I, I don't think that's a fluke thing. Um, you know, it's just all about get, getting the speed down. And also playing with better playmakers is going to make a difference. You know, you got Zaire who played extremely well tonight, you know, 14, 8, and 7 from him. Um, but, you know, like Zaire is not the playmaker that Desmond Bain is or Ja Morant. So the looks that you get when you're playing with a better playmaker are completely different. So I think that's going to make a difference for Roddy as well. 
Uh, so we can actually, we can bounce to Zaire here. Um, we have seen him on ball more. And tonight, he actually, they didn't start Chandler. They started Zaire and, and LaRavia at the guard positions, which is weird to me. LaRavia is not a guard. But anyway, it's summer league. Do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, we're getting to see him more with the ball in his hands. And it looked a little bit rocky in Salt Lake City. I feel like he had – like he found a comfort level tonight, and he was making some fantastic passes. There were a couple times where he uh, he found Aldama, and it was like really something you couldn't defend. He just executed it perfectly. So you, you'd like to see that. You, you want to see him unlock his playmaking abilities because that increases not only the ceiling, but it increases the floor for this team. Isaac, are you confident that uh, that we can see some Zaire playmaking at the next level? Well, to, to go back to your point, back in Salt Lake City, the ball handling has been rough. Uh, but, I mean, that's what you expected. I mean, they put him in his position because that's something that they want him to work on, something that he's not totally comfortable doing, uh, and they want to work on that. But I think most of anything that I've seen from him in some league overall, the playmaking is what I've been most impressed with, especially tonight. Um, like you said, I mean, there are times where – he hit Aldama just right on the basket, perfect for undefensible baskets, uh, scores at the basket. Just great, great plays, great vision all night. They ended up with eight assists and was knocking out tough shots as well. I mean, you, you, if, if he just played his normal game, he would dominate out there. But they have him doing different things. And you see some people still kind of hating on him, saying he should be better than this, and they're not viewing it through the, the correct prism because, they're again, they're, they're putting him in spots to be on – comfortable they're putting him on the ball and that's not something he's used to he's used to being a wing and just catch the ball spotting up shooting and that's not what he's doing he's kind of the guy that's controlling everything and I think he's done a fantastic job especially tonight man a big big game from him tonight and I love the playmaking and I definitely think that's a part of his game that they've kind of unlocked um, and I think that he he's shown that he can do that and I think you're going to see more and more of that because I think they're going to need that um, this year they're going to need secondary play playmaking because you don't have Kyle Anderson who was a guy who really kind of fills that void for you. You don't have that now, so you're going to need some of these other guys to step in and do that. And I think that's one of the emphasis, points of emphasis they have on Zaire for that very reason. Um, and I think he's shown well that he could do that. Did really, really well tonight, man. I think you continue to work on that. I think that's something that he's going to continue to work on. And I think we're definitely going to see some of that in the regular season. And I think these drafts that he's getting right now are going to pay dividends. Yeah, it's exciting to me, the thought of if, if Zaire could really unlock that part of his game, specifically, uh, David, when you were talking about the feed style, Dama, you'd love to see some of those feeds transition over to easy feeds to Steven Adams or particularly when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back. I think that was something that we mentioned a few times throughout the regular season last year was just that Jaron sometimes would get sort of left out you know, when it came to giving him the ball and feeding him and getting him involved and engaged in the game, especially early on. And it sort of would have Jaron struggle a little bit more finding his flow in some games. Uh, some of the games it showed more than others, depending on the matchup. But that's something you really love to see, uh, that void field. I think Dylan did a very good job of that when he came into the game. But Dylan was pretty much one of the only guys who would consistently feed Jaron. And you sort of saw some of the dividends from that when those two guys played together. You really like to see some of the same things from Zaire. I think it, I can see it translating, and it's exciting to see. I think it can do a lot for – not just the versatility of the offense as a whole, but I think it can do a lot for the half-court offense, which we know was a challenge for this team last year. I think it can help that quite a, quite a big deal. I'm just sitting here daydreaming while, while you guys are, are discussing this and thinking about 
what's it look like with a team's third best perimeter defender guarding Zaire Williams while he's initiating the pick and roll with Jaron Jackson. And it's like, there's a lot there. There, there is a ton there. And Zaire, he, he shot the ball fairly well in the summer league, not at the level that we saw Bain shoot it last year, obviously, but his shot looks good. So there's a lot about what he's doing that looks fantastic, but that half court offense thing, if you, run this offense through him. Like if they are doing everything they can to take the ball out of John Moran's hands and you can get this version of Zaire Williams where he can initiate that pick and roll with Jaron Jackson, it could be deadly. And that's going to be when you, when we're talking about like the, the, the third best defender on a team, the third best wing defender, that's a lot of times the worst defender on the floor, right? Like this is teams like the, the Hawks trying to hide Trey Young. You know, you, you get Trey Young in a pick and roll with Jaron and Zaire, and they're just going to be able to pick it apart, I believe. And, and I know I know this is just summer league, but this is like a building block. You get him doing this and get him where he's comfortable doing this, and then you put this into play into real games, and he continues to gain confidence. And then you're going to see this team just destroy people because of – the you know like now not only do you have John Morant that can do it you got Desmond Bain that can do it at a high level okay you got your two best defenders on them who are you going to have guards Zaire Williams and that that's going to be a problem for teams I see that you know if it doesn't happen the first part of this year by the second half of the season that's going to be a big issue for other teams trying to match up against the Grizzlies and I think that's part of the reason why like there are concerns about this team right now, but this team's tough to match up with, even without Jaron, even without that rim protection that we all know that they are missing right now. This team's going to be damn hard to match up against because they have three guys, and, and Zaire's not quite at that level yet. But, you know, we still got a, a few games here in the summer league that we could see him add to this. And, you know, in summer practices and in the preseason and all of that, they're going to have him doing this with the rest of the guys. So I, I'm really, really, I guess, pumped, hyped, whatever you want to call it, to, to see what this is going to look like when this roster is healthy. Yeah, yeah especially I, when I, you throw Dylan in. You can, I just thought just real quick, just throw, thinking about Dylan in that mix too. I, th- I believe his shot will be more efficient. Not, I know he struggles with efficiency, but he was, even from three, I think his numbers were lower. I think throwing Dylan that mix plus Zaire, it's, it's, it's hard to defend. Well, yeah, thing, I, I Sorry, man. I I don't mean to keep we keep cutting you off. I'll let you get through. But you know, you you mentioned Dylan, and Dylan is not naturally a playmaker. His his natural like we see him revert back to the means, and the means for him is get my own shot. If you can have Dylan play just that, where he's playing off the ball, and it's like, hey, when we get you the ball, get your shot. I think that that would unlock the best version of Dylan. We saw him make some playmaking decisions last year, but it's definitely not his strong suit. And if you get three other guys that are on the floor with him that are more than capable of it, and he can be that, you know, catch and shoot guy, that can be really scary. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with this playmaking with Zaire, if it translates to the regular season, I think it could be even more of a new dynamic for this team because. Zaire is more of an offensive threat than Kyle was. And I think you have him as that offensive threat and the playmaking that he brings, I just think it opens up 
a, a completely different world uh, for this team. I mean, it, it, they were already hard to defend, and I think that makes it even harder because you also have to worry about Zaire scoring as well uh, because I think his scoring ceiling obviously a, a lot higher than Kyle's was because Kyle's not going to be the offensive threat that, that Zaire is. So I think I mean, it, it's exciting to think about when guys are trying to get the ball out of Charles' hands, man, you have a, another guy in Zaire, and like you said, who's who's going to guard him? I mean, you got to have your third best defender on him, and if he he reaches his ceiling, man, he's going to be out there cooking, dude. If he can make plays and score at the level that I think he'll be able to at that size, man, rising up, taking shots, taking to the basket, I mean, that that's going to be a big-time problem uh, for, for some teams. And I, I really do think Zaire's development is paramount for this team reaching their ceiling. I mean, because I think if he reaches that ceiling, that's that's huge. I mean, that changes a lot uh, for, for this team. And you may not need to go out and add anybody else. Maybe Zaire could be that that fourth guy or that, that you have, have on this team that can they, – they might have four stars on this team. I mean, you just don't know because he definitely has that type of room to grow in this ceiling. Uh, so it's going to be fun watching him develop. And, and, again, I think this time it's going to be – valuable for him. I don't know if he's, he's not going to take, probably not take a leap like we saw Bain take in, in, in year two, but I definitely think he's going to take a leap and I definitely think he has the talent to be a, a, a big-time player. Just all the attributes are there, man. He's just got to put it together and we're seeing some things right now unlocked that we hadn't seen from him. So he's continuing to add things to his game, man. It's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch the maturation process. You talk about, you mentioned Kyle a couple times in there. And Jake LaRavia had the most Kyle Anderson line that, <laughs> that, that yeah, I have ever did. seen. If this is not a Kyle Anderson, one for three from the field, had five rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks, and two points. That, that's got Kyle written all over it, man. We, we haven't really talked about LaRavia a lot. Like, we have talked about him on the show, but not on this episode. So, I, I want to try and touch on on – as many of the rookies as we can, not specifically the, like the, the guys that are not going to make the roster, but, you know, um, Vince Williams and LaRavia, Kenneth Lofton. So let's go to LaRavia right here. And, and I've got to say the passiveness from him is something that's concerning for me. I, I know yes. that the, the more that he's around Jenkins and he's around this team, their mindset, you know, let that mother – fly right like that's been we we heard on multiple occasions Bain has said it melt when he was here you know he said that that's what coach is telling you hey you you got the shot you're open you let it fly we're not seeing that from LaRavia he came out that first game Salt Lake City and it's like all right this kid can shoot and that's not gone but he can shoot the question for me is will he shoot and He's not done anything to convince me that the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, the, the reason why I'm con really concerned about it is because this is a pattern. Um, you heard an interview from his coach at Wake Forest, Steve Forrest, and I talked about this a couple times on here, said that he had to beg him to shoot the basketball, that he's never coached a kid who is as talented as he is offensively and that he won't shoot the basketball. And we've kind of seen that. And I, and I said it earlier in the game tonight that I wish he'd be more aggressive because we saw in that first game, he came out firing. I was like, okay, well, this is not going to be a problem. Like he's letting that, that fly like, like we want him to and, and not like he did in college. And now he's kind of reverted back. And this is the time where you want to see that. Like if he's not going to be aggressive in summer league, that 
gives you concerns whether he's going to shoot the basketball in a regular season. I mean, but we've seen the fact that he can knock it down, had really good percentages in, in college, just in not a high sample size. And we've kind of seen that here. And it's kind of head scratching because I, I know Coach McClure here at the Summer League is telling him to shoot the basketball, but he's one of the most important pieces that they want to see out there. So it's just kind of weird to me that he hasn't been more aggressive offensively now. Like you said, man, Kyle Aaron's the line doing a lot of other things, man. Five rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks. I mean, really did some good things to facilitate. You saw some playmaking from him out there, but I mean, you would like to see him do a bit more offensively because they're going to need that for him. There's even thoughts that he could be the opening night starter at the four. Uh, if Jared is not back, some people are super optimistic. Some people aren't. I probably fall somewhere in between on that. But you you like to see him be a bit more aggressive. Like I, I wish we could see more performances like we saw from him in game one because it has been concerning that he hasn't been shooting the basketball. But it's, it's just kind of kind of head scratching because again, you think this is the opportunity to work out some of those kinks. You, you got the green light here. I know here in some league. So it's just weird that he's not really been aggressive shooting the basketball. Yeah, if you're wondering what we're talking about when we're talking about the passive mindset from, from Jake LaRavia, we're we're saying that of all the starters, he's taken the least amount of uh, field goal attempts. of Every time he started, he's always got the least. And sometimes it's not even close. Like tonight, he only attempted yeah, he, three shots. Yeah, he had even scored it. He was the only person on the team that hadn't scored at halftime. Yeah, and so, and so it, it we're – it is a real problem. It's a visible problem that we've seen. And, and you do want to see great playmaking ability from him. So I'm not saying that that's not valuable to the team, but this is summer league. And this is the opportunity for him to get comfortable with his shot, to find his spots. If he's not comfortable shooting, you know, with movement, getting for him to attempt some of those shots. One of the things that I, I know we used to talk about with, with John Moran is he was working on his three pointer is, you know, Sometimes you wish they go in, but you want them taking those shots. And we were happy to see him still taking the shots. And, and this is one of the only instances, at least, of this nucleus of um, Grizzlies that I can recall a player that didn't take the shots. I mean, D- D- Anthony Melton, he frustrated us. He frustrated us all sometimes with the shots that he take, but you wanted to see him at least keep taking them to some extent because you want them to, you want them to stay in that rhythm and at some point it'll fall. And I think I would understand it a little bit more if this was the regular season and he was sort of finding his way. But this is the time to experiment. This is the time to get better. And if he's not going to attempt to get better in a league that's made for him to get better, then that really concerns me for the regular season and how he'll look then. Yeah, I think that he he has the tools you know, we still are not 100% sure. Like, he started as the two tonight, and that's kind of funny because I know that it, it's just weird that they start him as a two. That's not going to be his position in the regular season. He's not quick enough to guard the twos in the league. But, you know, he's done well defensively because he's so crafty. His hands are super quick. It's It's so scary to me how much, like Kyle, that this guy is. Like Kyle was not a, a, you know, very fleet of foot guy, but he moved his feet well. And so he was able to stay in front of guys that were quicker than him. And and I think LaRavia kind of struggles a little bit with that, but he's crafty enough that he still gets in there that, you know, we talked about the three blocks, the two steals tonight. He plays the lanes right in order to be effective on the defensive end enough to where, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm going to be passive on the offensive end and I'm going to be bad on the defensive end. Well, you're not going to see the floor. 
but he he is serviceable on the defensive end, and he did show like he can pass the ball. His passes, like there were a couple specifically tonight where they were fast, like a lot of velocity on them and right on the money. So there's things there that you can build off of, but they didn't get him. They didn't draft him to be passive. When you can shoot the ball the way that he can, you want him shooting it. And I know that it's summer league and there's things that they need to be working on. And I'm sure that there's things that coaches are telling them to work on, but I would find it extremely hard to believe that him not shooting the ball is something that the coaching staff wants. Right. But deep defensively for him, he's a what I call a uses what he has guy. Kyle is one of those guys. There are some physical limitations there, definitely. When he gets switched on or matched up with, with quicker, more athletic players, he's gonna struggle a little bit guarding those guys. But he's he's smart. He has high high basketball IQ on the defensive end. He uses angles really well. So he uses what he has, whatever however he can maximize with his physical abilities, he's gonna be able to do that. And that's one reason why I think he'll be able to improve because He's going to get better and better at, at using those angles and finding ways to kind of make up for some of his shortcomings. And he, he's not a guy that doesn't put in the effort. Like a lot of guys, they don't, they're not good defensively because they don't even try on the defensive end. And that's not the case with him at all. Like he is not that he just goes down and just gives up. It's just that sometimes he has these physical limitations that prevent him from doing certain things, but he's going to be, he's going to improve on that end. And you already see some things just like, Kyle, that he uses angles and smarts to kind of stay in front of guys when you think he probably shouldn't be able to stay in front of this guy. So that's what, what I like about him. But I do think he's going to be able to improve on the defensive end as he gets smarter and gets more time in the league and, and gets understanding how these angles and how to guard guys. So that's what I, what I like about him. But as far as the shooting is concerned, it, it is concerning. It is weird because he even talked about it. He's a very competent guy. Like he talks trash. Like if you watch him in college, you see, man, he's, a guy that likes to mix it up. He's not a passive guy at all. So I'm surprised because his attitude wise, you think he's a guy that would go out there and get his shots up, but that wasn't the case in college. And that hasn't been the case here. And you think the coaching staff, like I said, uh, coach McClure, I'm sure is telling them, man, go out there and shoot the basketball. We need to see this from you. So it is, it is kind of weird to, to not see him being aggressive on that end. I mean, it just seems like he's willing to kind of sit back and, and let his teammates kind of cook out there. And again, man, we need to see, more from him offensively. I'm not ragging on the guy at all because I think he has the ability to be a player, man. You just want to see it in this setting, especially. Yeah. One common theme with this draft class that everybody took away was that the Grizzlies were emphasizing uh, shooting from the, from the three in particular. I don't think anybody had less than a 38% uh, three-point uh, three percentage shot uh, coming out of college. And so, it's been interesting to me that since the first game, not just with LaRavia, but with the whole team, I'm sure we'll talk about Vince Williams Jr. here in a minute, but that the shooting has been such a struggle since then. I mean, these last few games, uh, it's been it's been pretty tough from three point percentage. I think tonight was a little was was better. A lot of it had to do with uh, Santi Aldama, but uh, outside of that, just from the rookies, you haven't really seen the 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 three point shot. Uh, go down the way you want it to go down. And I don't know if that's uh, because, you know, sometimes plays aren't run. I don't know. I'm not sure what exactly that is. I'm curious. You guys have thought if you have thoughts on just how, how dramatically the shot has, uh, has gone away for the, for the Memphis Grizzlies. In fact, in the game against the Timberwolves, they shot 
an abysmal nine percent from three. Uh, that was a tough game. That was yeah, tough, I didn't want to uh, talk shooting about performance. That. <laughs> uh, that was a tough shooting performance to watch. And the other thing, but the Timberwolves were struggling just as much. That ended up with twelve percent. Um, but it, it, it it's something that's been a co- little bit of a concerning trend for me because De'Anthony Melton, as streaky as he was, you lost that three point uh, percent shooting, and I, Jaren's hurt. That's another source of three point uh, shooting that you lost. And so these guys have. If they can't do much else, these guys were brought in to sort of help fill that gap. And right now, I haven't seen that for some time. Yeah, that that T-Wolves game was just brutal. Like, the two teams were, like, combined seven for 64 from three. There there was just a lid on the basket. That was weird to watch. Uh, You mentioned Vince Williams. He could fill it up in college. And I'm really surprised that we have not – I don't know if he like choked down. I don't know what to call it. Like it, it feels like he's been harnessed, right? Like they're holding him back. Yeah. I, I don't feel like it's by design necessarily. I, I wonder when we're going to see him, like see some aggression from him. And I can't sit here and tell you that I watched a ton of film on him. And I know that he's an aggressive player because I've watched very limited amount of film on him. But I, I know that he was capable of filling it up, and he's not done that at all. I think is five his highest scoring total in the summer league so far? I think it is. I think yeah. it, uh, let's Sounds see. Go back. Right. To- yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, he, he was super aggressive in college. Like, he was the best player on that team by a mile. Like, I, I remember I watched some of the game against Tennessee, and he had a big game against Tennessee. He was super aggressive, like superstar level, like taking big-time shots. Uh, at at VCU, so that's definitely something that he's done in the past. It just feels like to me what, what we're seeing in summer league. He just doesn't seem to be a featured piece at all. And, and you think with him being an actual draft pick, uh, they actually took him. He wasn't a because you've seen Kenneth, Kenneth Lawson Jr.'s undrafted free agent. He's getting his minutes, getting his shots up. It just doesn't really feel like Vince Williams is a big part of what they're doing. Like you, you think the rookies. Those are the guys that you really want to feature in this position. It just doesn't feel like that's been the case for them. It seems like he's just been kind of an afterthought in the secondary play. He gets comes out there and gets minutes, but it just doesn't seem like he's a big part of what, what's going on. Um, and that's strange again. And I don't know if that's by, like you said, by design or that's just kind of how it's shaken out. But he just doesn't feel like to me that he's being featured at all. Um, and, and that's kind of strange when he's an actual draft pick and they took him at 47. So, Hopefully we kind of see more of that going forward, but but he has not been a guy that's been super aggressive. And again, I think he was the best player by by a mile on that VCU team, was the star. I mean, there were games, I think, where he had 28, 27, 28 points. I think he had 28 against Tennessee, I want to say. Him and Kenny Chandler were kind of joking about that back and forth at the, the press conference for the for the rookies. Uh, but but he was definitely, definitely aggressive in college. So it is kind of strange to see. Uh, but I think he's gonna beat out. You're going to see a lot of him down in South Haven probably for most of the season. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be fun down there in South Haven, man, with some of these guys. I think you're going to see him down there. As David said, I think Roddy is going to be a guy that's going to spend a significant amount of time out of there because I think I think Roddy has to, to find out what he is and how he fits into the NBA game because, again, he's such a unique player at 6'6", 260. Like, you just don't see guys of that size and you don't know kind of where to put him. Uh, but, but I think he's a guy that's going to eventually work his way up like because I think he's just too skilled not to. I think he just has to figure some things out. But with Williams, I mean, he's a guy that can really shoot. Was he thirty eight percent? Um, mm-hmm. at BCU could really really shoot the basketball and 
but just hasn't been too progressive. Um, it just doesn't feel like he's been that big of a part of it. So we'll, we'll see how that continues to play out going forward. He hasn't really done a lot defense uh, from, I mean, he's had some games better than others, but I, I don't even really see a lot of defensive, uh, you know, stops or, you know, ways of impacting the game. He's brought on to be a three and D guy. And I, I, I'm not sure if you guys pay, have, have paid much attention to his point of attack defense. Perhaps that's better, but I just hadn't seen a lot from him, really, not just on the offensive end, but yeah, I, just, I've been a little underwhelmed on both ends of the court. Yeah, I mean, that's just really nothing. When I think back, like I can't even really think of – I mean, he early in that opening game, he played really well. Um, in that first game, I yes. saw Lake, saw Lake City. But outside of that, he really just hadn't shown anything. People were kind of raving about him after that game, and you felt good, pretty good, and you thought, okay, well – Man, he's really showing some things and just really hasn't since then. And as Candace said, on either end, nothing that I can really remember in particular that's really stood out. According to the box score, he had three steals in the Timberwolves game. I have no no recollection of that. Either one of them. A single, none, none of them. And he didn't have anything in either, you know, the games tonight or or against the Clippers either. So it's very underwhelming. I I just – I can't help but wonder is – has he just kind of fell to, okay, I, I'm going to be in the G League. I know I'm going to be in the G League, so I'm just going to cruise through Summer League because the the one thing that is consistent between the two guys that they took in the first round is their tweeners. They don't really have, are they a three, are they a four? Some people may think they're a two. Neither of them are twos. But Williams – is a two or a three. Like, you know, he can play the two. He can play the three. He's got the size. He's got the wingspan. He's got the foot speed. He can play those positions. So he's got a spot that he could be hunting for. I I would just love to see more from him. And I'm not out on him. I, I believe that it's there, but we've not seen any level of aggression from him to see, okay, now he's awake. Now he's taking this serious and, you know, he, he's getting minutes. He's on the floor, so he, he's not out there just, you know, in, in cruise control not doing anything, or he wouldn't be getting the minutes. But, I, you know, for me, I would love to see him, like, take this thing by the horns, and he's like, you know, I can go out here and I can earn a spot on this team even though I was taken at pick 47 because I have the skill set and I have the tools to play at the next level. I believe that he has those. I just hope that we see it come out of him sometime in this summer league before we get to see him at the G League level. It is interesting. That's now two guys we've sort of talked about that have been sort of taken in a passive, a passive mindset when that's, that's not the culture of this organization or this team. Yeah. Um, and they talk, a, like Zach Kleiman talks a lot about culture. Every time you hear him talk, he's talking about culture and how they're not going to take anybody or bring them on this team if they don't fit the culture. And so it's just interesting that you're seeing two guys right now that do not fit the culture. And these are guys that they won and they drafted. Uh, so maybe things will change. I know that being around the main guys, and like you said, being around Taylor Jenkins will I'm sure have some kind of positive impact on that, but it's just not what you want to see. Uh, not, not just from a, because what you're looking at from these guys is how they fit in on this team. And you want them to fit in, not just, with the basketball on the court, but you want them to fit in in the mindset of what this organization is about. And right now, uh, at least with a couple of the rookies, that that's a problem. So let's uh, – who's like, the only one that we really haven't talked about is the undrafted free agent. Snack Jesus, 
All right, is, is that junior. what we're sticking with? I've, I've seen so he, many uh, he wants to be called Junior. Junior, yeah, Junior like is what he says. Yeah, we, he did, we, he we did an interview with uh, interview with Jessica Benson, and he said Junior is name. I think his name on Twitter is it's Junior, yeah. uh, so that's what he wants to be called. So go uh, with Junior, Jun- but yeah, Junior, it is. I ain't got man. no problem with Snack Jesus, I ain't got no problem with nah. Snack Jesus, <laughs> but but uh, but we'll stick with Junior for, for purposes of this show, yeah. So you know, he, he he's done a lot of great things, and he, he's a guy. If you kept up with uh, USA basketball, you saw him on, you know, the team with Chet and uh, and Jay Nivey doing good stuff, dominating, you know, it, winning gold medals, all that. Like you saw that he can ball. His size, his weight was a concern, but he's come out here and he's shown, hey, he like he deserves a shot to be at this level. There's questions of whether or not that two way is going to last very long. Um, the way this team is built, I, I I don't know. I don't know who goes off of the roster in order to free up a spot for him to be on the main roster. Uh, may, maybe there's a trade coming down the line that opens that up to where he gets, you know, converted off of the two-way. We still got to see if he can do this at the next level. But it's not just the bully ball. It's not just, you know, he's rebounding the ball. There was a, a play tonight. He rebounded. And he was looking to outlet the ball. There was nobody there. So he just brought it up the floor and he ended up initiating the offense on the other end of the floor. So he has a lot of tools. He can really play what, what's going to happen. What is he going to do? Candace, do you think that he's got what it takes to be a main roster rotation type player year one? I think he does. I, I think he does. Now I know he'll have some struggles on the, on the defensive end. So, but I just think he's, consistent enough he's he seems to have a knack for finding his place and just kind of fitting in and knowing where he needs to be uh being in the right place at the right time um you just got good basketball instincts all around and I think you got good basketball instincts and you're that skilled I think it can serve you well even if you are he might be he might end up being a liability on defensive end we'll see how much but I just think he's got enough to his game that he can contribute in in a more limited rotational role I wouldn't you know we'll I wouldn't have him be your top 10 guy, but you want it. But I think he can play uh, some solid minutes for you and, and be a valuable con- uh, contributor because he's not really had a bad game. I think I, I don't really recall his, his worst game. He, he was two for eight against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves when the lid was on the basket for, for pretty much everybody, but still had 10 rebounds. Um, and so he, he gets near, at least in the summer league, he's gotten close to double digit rebounds. And, and he's gotten oftentimes double-digit points um, on both ends. And so I, I think it's, with his passing, it's just so much that he can do, so much that he can add value to, that if you put him out there on the court, I think he'd make the best out of those minutes because he just seems like he's just looking for opportunity. I, that's sort of his attitude that I get from him is he's just looking to prove himself. He's not really – we talked about Roddy. He's sort of trying to find himself – talked about the rookies who just seem to be kind of fading and he just seems to be the stark contrast of that. He seems ready for the moment and he seems ready to take advantage of any opportunities that he gets. This man is a hooper. That's what he is. Like I I might be on an Island on this, but I feel like basketball IQ is something that you either have or you don't. There's some things that you can be taught but the instincts that there's a lot that, that gets rolled into basketball IQ and, and Lofton has it like he has a high basketball IQ and that's why you see him in the right spot. So many times, Isaac, do you, is that, do you agree with that? Disagree is, is basketball IQ something 
that you have or you don't have, and how do you feel about Lofton? Like, do you agree that he's got a high basketball IQ or no? Well, first off, I'm shocked that 58 spots went by and this guy wasn't drafted. If you go back and watch him and lose that attack, I mean, this guy was balling out. Like, I know he weighs 275 pounds. He wasn't even bigger than that. He's lost about 20 to 25 pounds going into the combine. He's even skinnier than he was uh, back back at La Tech. But, but I mean, if you watch him, he's super skilled. And his basketball IQ is super high. I mean, he has a fantastic feel for the game. It's just not bully ball. I mean, he can make passes. You see some of the reads that he made in, in college, kicking it out to guys from the post. I mean, he can take guys off the dribble. You see him out there at the side. You're like, he's going to be this slow foot plotter. Not at all, man. You see he takes guys off the dribble, takes guys all the way in from the three-point line, backs them down. And, I mean, you saw him doing this against – the number two pick in the, in the draft instead of him hungry, uh, just kind of taking him out from the three-point line off the dribble, backing him down and scoring at the basket. I really do think that he could be a contributor day one. Like, I hate to kind of go crazy on summer league, and I tweeted this the other day, but I, I really do feel like he could give you minutes right now off the bench. Like, I really do feel like that, and that's why I feel like it's going to be hard to keep him on the two-way because I think with the, the issue that they have with, with Jaron being out, there are going to be minutes for bigs and spots for you to fill in. And I definitely, I think he could come in and do some things for you. He's not going to be able to play big minutes for you probably in his current conditioning. I think that's not only going to get better when he gets with an NBA trainer, they get him on a program and you don't want him to get skinny or anything because that'll take away from his game. Some of the bullying and some of the things he does inside, you just want him to kind of tone it up and get in better shape. But I, I think right now he's such, such a smart basketball player and like I said, at that size, he's going to be able to get in the paint, rebound, and and, and score at the basket. Defensive on the defensive end, it's going to be the question. But he's not going to be playing. I'll take a lot of minutes, but I think he could help you right now. I, I really do believe in the NBA rotation, he could be a guy at the bottom of that rotation that could come in and, and play minutes for you if you needed him to. All right, tough question time. Tough question. Y'all ready for it? Unscripted. They didn't know what was coming. <laughs> Heading in to opening night, if you had to make the call between Xavier Tillman and Kenneth Lofton Jr., who do you want on the squad? Oh man, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I don't. Y'all I really, didn't think I, I was gonna I, make this. I, I, really, I, I, really, I really don't want to answer this question, man, because it's hey, because I don't, I don't want to say what I want to say. Uh, that's a that's a tough question because if you're projecting going forward, and you told me like you got to have one of these, guys, you're talking about just open tonight because I'm thinking future production, I think I would go with Kenneth Lawson if you're talking about a guy going forward because I just think with Tillman, I think you've seen what you're going to see from him. I, I don't think there's going to be any big leap from him. Like, I mean, he's done some good things, but I just don't think he has any much ceiling to grow into. I think he this summer league, he's done some good things that he should. I mean, he's a guy that's played NBA minutes, played playoff minutes. He's been in big games before, so you think he looked good in this environment. But I think when you throw him in a regular season, he's going to be the Xavier Tillman that you saw. He's going to be a guy who every now and then come in and have a good game, and sometimes he's going to look lost out there like we've seen. So I think it's crazy to say this for a guy that's in Tillman that, that's played a couple years here now. I think I would go with Kenny Lofton because I'm kind of looking at who I would want in the future. And I, I definitely think that's Lofton because I think he has a, a higher ceiling. But I, I really do think that he could come in and give you the same, some similar production that we saw from Tillman at times already. I, I really do believe that. And, again, that's 
crazy just going out summer league performances, but I, I, I do believe that. All right. I'm going to go Tillman as a head over heart vote. I actually agree with everything <laughs> that Isaac said, but as a head over heart vote, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for Tillman. I'm going to give him some love. Uh, my heart really wants to go uh, with Lofton, but the reason, the biggest reason why I'm going to do this is just given the state of the, of the roster as it is. There are already so many holes on the roster, so much uncertainty with the Jaron injury that I think, especially in the front court, I think they need as much stability as they can get right now. Uh, Cause there's just going to be some, I've got, I've got some questions about the rim protection in particular. Um, and I know, I know what Tillman is. I know what he can be and I know what he can provide. Uh, the, and, and I know what he can bring to the team. I have a pretty good feeling that Lofton can bring some similar things. So I, I agree with Isaac, but it's just a known commodity. So opening day roster, I go Tillman, but I'll be honest, if Jaron wasn't hurt, I would hundred percent go Lofton. Okay. All right. I, I mean, it's a great point. I Tillman is a better defender yep. than, than Lofton, and, and I don't know if Lofton will ever get defensively to the level that Tillman is. I think the offensive ceiling is is not even close. It's significantly higher right. for Lofton. Tillman does a lot of great things. He, he is a good playmaker from that position, but – if you need a bucket, you can get it to Lofton, and I feel like he's going to find a way to get you a bucket. I don't know that Tillman's ever going to be able to bring that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm asking the question with no intention of answering it because I, I don't – I think I'm kind of in the same spot that Candace is, honestly. Like, because of where the roster is right now, I think it has to be Tillman. But upside, I, I think it's, it, it's Lofton. Um, you know, you, you've got enough – good defenders on this team that you can take on a guy like Lofton. It's not like Lofton is a traffic cone out there. I think that he's fine on the defensive end, but we saw Tillman get switched on the guys like Chris Paul. We saw him against Carl Anthony Towns. Like Tillman has gotten some pretty tough defensive assignments and done a pretty good job with it. And I just don't think that the Lofton is going to be able to do that, at least not early on. Um, that's more than likely not even going to be what it comes down to, right? Like uh, Killian Tilly is still under contract. Don't know where he's at, what's going to happen with that. There's still a lot of time. There's still time for trades to be made. We're not going to dive off into anything like that tonight. But, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of put you guys on the spot to see where your head was with it. Enjoy the answers. I, uh, I don't know. Isaac, I, gotta, I'm, I don't know that I'm surprised necessarily. But I thought for sure that you would go with Tillman just for, you know, it's supposed to be a, a, a win now. This team is in win now mode. And and I feel like Tillman is more of a win now player than than what Lofton is right now. Did we lose he's, Isaac? He's oh, he's muted. You're muted, man. Oh, yeah, okay. I know he's responding with a muted microphone. Yeah, I was going to say, sorry sorry about that. I said yeah. it, it just shows you my belief in, in Lofton. Uh, yep. Like – I really do feel like he is an NBA rotation player right now. And again, that may sound crazy. Uh, again, we've just seen a few summer league games here and he's been really good, but I just entire body of work watching him back at, at La Tech. He's just so skilled. It's such a high basketball IQ that I, the things that we see him doing in summer league, I think he could do that in a small sample, some small amount of minutes on, on an NBA regular season level. So that just kind of shows you what I believe in him. And again, it's not a knock on Dillman. I just think, 
my answer was more of looking at who I would want long term. And if you told me I had to get rid of one of these guys, it would be Tillman. I mean, that's just what it is right now. I mean, I, I hate to say that because I'm a Tillman, Tillman trooper. Like, I've been a big, big time for, for defender of his when people have kind of said that he shouldn't be on his team or they, they should get rid of him, that he's not that good. I've always been a defender of his, but I'm just a big time believer in in junior, um, as they call him. And I think he could come in and provide, like I said, defensively, he's not the player that Tillman is, but I think other, the other things that he does, I think he can do at a higher level, possibly even right now than Tillman. So that's just kind of where, where I'm at on it, man. It's a tough call because just like Ken said, man, hard over mind type of thing. But I'm just, again, projecting forward, man. I think Lofton would be my guy. Yeah, I would. Fair enough, man. I don't think that uh, – I don't think many people would fault you in that, honestly. And that's not – I said I, I no hate for me on it. I, I was just shocked because, you know, kind of your stance on this, this win now yeah. after the statements that we've heard from – from climbing, I figure you would go with the safer pick. But you, you feel? Do you feel like Lofton is the safer pick between the two right now? Man, that's that's a tough course because if you're saying like game one, like I mean that, that's a that's a tough one. But I I do believe, like I said, I do believe that Lofton could play in this rotation and can give you good minutes. Because I mean there were times where Tillman didn't even play, so it's not like. But now he's going to have to. I guess when you're looking at the the Jared injury. Somebody's got to step in and kind of help fill that board. I just kind of feel like they need to go out and do something. If Unless they really do feel like Kleiman said, and, and you can take this however you want to, because they said the same thing when Jaron had the knee injury. That's the thing that worries me that all summer they were talking about, oh, this is the, they even went so as far as to say that. They done it with they Dylan, had, too. They they yeah, done they, it with Dylan, too, when, and then Dylan when, missed how long at the beginning when, of last year? Yeah. Like, well, when, when they were in the bubble, they even said that if they had made a deep run, that he could have came back then. Like, they even said that when he went down in the bubble, that if they had made it to into the playoffs, there was a possibility that he could have played. And then before the season, we heard, I think at the preseason press conference, they talked to Jaron, and when they were talking about, like, another month at that point, they was like, oh, well, he'll probably miss the first month of the season. Jaron, at that point, was like, man, he didn't really understand what they were talking about. He could play then. And then we would look up, and it was May before – or not May, but March before he came back, late March, uh, almost the end of the season. So – you just people are kind of celebrating because of kind of the way Zach Kleiman kind of handled that in the press office. I'm like, pump the brakes on that, man, because we've seen him do this before and it ended up not being even close to the case. Like you said, okay. it's not an issue. I, I'm not buying that at all. I'm just a wait and see when it, when it, I'm a wait and see approach when it comes to me. I can't think of an example where they said that and it actually turned out to be the case. So, yeah, they, I mean, that if your name isn't John Morant, yeah, he's on one. It. That's, that's literally it. Jock coming back early, but everybody else is gonna be be extra time. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that. But I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the to the uh, Lofton talk. I will say what I would like to see happen in real life because I don't think it's a realistic scenario that you have to choose between Tillman and, and Lofton. Though a great question, I think I'd like to see you know Lofton take the spot of Tilly. I would like I, that's personally my preference. I think I, I like Tilly and I like what he can bring, but I just there's so much that Lofty can do. And, and then, you know, Tilly's so injured. He's had such a problem with that throughout his career that you just, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, he's not even playing in summer league for reasons that weird. are question mark. Like, I don't know. That's a real, I, I don't really understand that. Why he's not playing. Is it because they're worried he'll get injured? But if you can't play the guy in summer league, then to me, like, I, I just feel like that should go to a spot in Lofton who could probably better take advantage of those 
few minutes that that Tilly would get I think Lofton could do wonders with those so that's my personal preference on what I think should happen I don't think it will happen but I'd love to see it man I actually think I, I think if they make any kind of deal I think Tilly ends up getting drawn into that deal yeah. uh I, I really really do because I, I think he's not even playing in summer league and I don't I don't know if he's hurt like I they, they just been mom on that it's kind of weird that we haven't heard anything on that but he's on a they put him on a guaranteed deal, so he's here. I mean, if they have to cut him, man, they got to eat that money, which is not a lot of money. So they, you see yeah, it's, it's guys would like get cut million. like that all the time. Yeah, it's not yeah. a lot of money. But I, I, I do think if they if they end up making a trade, I think he's going to end up being salary filler in, in, in a deal, which I'm I'm still think I still think they're going to do something. And, and that kind of leads us before we get out of here. We haven't touched on, on the Danny Green situation. Interesting in the Minnesota game, man. You saw Danny Green over there on the sideline, man, sitting right next to. Taylor Jenkins chopping it up right there with Ja and Tyus and all the guys on the sideline. And the general thought when they made the deal was kind of he was just a throw-in and they were probably going to move him on. But maybe that's not the case because, I mean, he was on the sideline and I think he has a podcast that I've heard that he made comments that he was excited about the deal, excited to get to Memphis, excited to be around the guys. So maybe we're in a situation where maybe they've told him that there's a possibility they're going to wait this out and for him to come back late in the season and maybe come back for a playoff run. But I think you could also look at it as, and there's also, there was a report from Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report that says the Grizzlies are playing to fully guarantee his contract. Now they have until January to make that decision. But from his report, it's, it sounds like they're, they're willing to go, go ahead and do that now. Like they're not going to wait till January. So I think that kind of, it kind of covers their bases either way. Because if you you guarantee the contract now, that makes it that moves the contract from six million to ten million, which makes them a bigger trade piece if they wanted to include him into a trade. So I think it covers both bases. I mean, it shows a commitment to him in case you are going to keep him around, uh, but it also gives you an opportunity that if you're going to move him, it makes him a bigger trade piece. So I think they're just covering covering their bases. But he might be a guy that that's going to stick around because from everything he said, it seems like he's happy to be here, plan on being here, and. I don't have a super problem with it other than the fact that they don't have a lot to trade. I feel like they need to make a deal, but I think him being around the team is a good, a good thing. I mean, champion guy that has been through the wars um, and a guy that if he's healthy um, and people were talking about how bad he was last year, he was washed up and he still hit over hundred threes last year. I mean, he was still knocking down 30, I think almost a 39% clip uh, last year. He was still knocking down shots and that's valuable in the playoffs. The more guys you have that can come in, off the bench and knock down shots, the, the better. And this team definitely could could stand to use that. So if if he can, they can they hold on to him and he can come back and he's healthy and knock down shots, man. I ain't got no problem with that because he's definitely going to be a good guy in the locker room. And you already saw him on the sideline coaching, uh, the players pointing, talking to coach and and, and chopping it up. So I, I think it'll be a good thing to be for him to be around the team. We talked about a vet um, and having that guy in the locker room. I think he could definitely definitely be that guy. So I don't have any problems either way. Uh, but if they decide to move him, I think going ahead and guaranteeing that deal turns to ten million, and, and it allows you to to bring in more salary back if you move him in a deal. Yeah, and, a couple of thoughts. Go, go ahead, Candice. Uh, just a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I know he's uh, you know he's older than eight. I know he's he's eight. he's definitely was he thirty five now? Thirty six, right? I think. Thirty six. All right. Well, I know he's just he's just a couple years removed from averaging like ten points a game, and that's that's some pretty good production for an off the bench rotation guy. I mean, that's that's really beneficial. Um, I think what was Milton at about ten? I mean, about ten, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, it's not 
it's not Milton because I don't think he's going to give you the defensive upside that Milton could give you. But just from a scoring and probably more consistent scoring perspective, um, he could fill that role. I could see him filling that role, and it may even help him if he comes in healthy, which I'm sure the Grizzlies will make sure of. If he comes, if he comes sure. in, <laughs> if he comes in healthy, it might even be beneficial for him. He might have you know fresher legs, you know, not having to play the the whole season and kind of just come in and he might be able to, to give you a, a higher impact. So I do like him from a bet, from a bet perspective. I'd really want to keep him if it wasn't for the fact, like Isaac said, that we don't really have, that the team doesn't have a lot of trade pieces at this point um, with the, some of the depth gone with losing Kyle, with losing Milton and with uh, giving up some of our draft picks. I'm not sure we're in the same position to have a lot of assets to just toss away. That wouldn't hurt the current state of the roster right now. But if it weren't for that, I'd, I'd be on go to, just to keep him on this team because I think he's a great influence. He looked like when he was sitting on the bench, he looked like he fit in culture-wise just fine. And yeah. like he was on a great time over there. Time uh, to with the guys. You wouldn't have known that he just got on this team if you just – I mean, unless you knew about the trade. If you didn't know anything about the situation, you're just looking at those guys, it just looks like he just fits right in. And I know the, the, uh, the coaching – I mean, not the coaching staff, but the front office talks a lot about culture, and he seems to fit right in with that. So, you know, those are my thoughts. I – I, I think they should wait on the guaranteed me personally. I think they negotiated to give themselves more time. I think it's, to me, there's not a real reason not to take advantage at least of some of that time, just to make sure that the rehab process is going along the way they want it to. That's my main thing. Just make sure that he really can come back and contribute this year. Cause it is, there were, there were two significant injuries with that and there could be setbacks sometimes with it. So I'd, I'd like to wait on that guarantee just to, show a little bit more progress before they commit the money but i understand like you said both sides it, it can be a benefit either way um no matter what they do he gives you a guy in the locker room that has been there before you know th- this team has the battle with the golden state warriors this year they've got some playoff experience now but you don't have anybody on this roster that has really been there. Danny Green has. I'm not going to get my hopes too high up on this because so I would love for him to stick around. I, I like what he – like he's he is a, he's a, a good defender, not great. Like he, he's not going to kill you defensively out there. He can hold his own. He can still shoot the ball at an extremely high level. Barring, you know, like step back coming, coming off of this injury, there's obviously a lot of questions with that. You know, it – at his age, is he going to be able to bounce back and still be effective? He doesn't rely on athleticism. He doesn't have to blow past people to knock down the corner three. So I'm not super concerned, not overly concerned with that. But here's the deal. They they cannot trade him with another player. He cannot be attached with another player for two months after that trade. So they cannot trade him until after. It's like, well, August 23rd, I think. And like it's the end of August before they could officially trade him in a package deal with another player. So, you know, August 23rd is not regular season. I don't even know if that's preseason yet. I don't think it is. I think it starts no. closer, like later in September. But we still got a little bit of time before he can be packaged with somebody else to make a, to make a move. I don't know that the Grizzlies are going to do that. But this roster is in a spot where when it comes time, somebody that's currently on this team is going to have to be gone because they don't have the spots. There's not enough spot for, spots for everybody. 
Is it going to be Danny Green? Is it going to be Santi Aldama? Is it Xavier Tillman? Is it Killian Tilly? Who knows? You know, I, I know that Zach Kleiman and them have a plan for it, but I, I think that Danny Green can bring a lot of good things to this team, even if he's not out there on the floor. You know, you, you mentioned Candace mentioned him, you know, to, talking to the players and pointing stuff out. He has – he's been that guy where he's been the veteran leader on the team and he's been around a lot of great players, a lot of great coaches. He's won a championship. And I think that that can be extremely valuable. You know, look at um, how many years has Udonis Haslam been getting paid to just hold the end of the bench down and he's getting paid Man, because he, he's like the ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he is, he's the chase Daniels of the NBA. And if you don't know who that is, <laughs> Chase Daniels has made a Man. little over a hundred million dollars in this free cash. Like seventeen <laughs> passes in the NFL. Like this dude is a career backup quarterback, getting that bag, holding the clipboard on Cor- Sunday. Career, yeah, I've been career clipboard holder. Like, and Udonis has him doing doing the same thing. You know, he, he's getting paid to sit on the end of the bench. And I'm not saying, like, that stuff matters. The, the veteran leadership matters, and especially on a team as young as the Grizzlies. Yeah, they're, they are aging at this point, but they're far from aged, right? They're still, this team is still extremely young, so there's a lot to learn. And having a guy that has that experience around, I think, can be extremely beneficial. I was going to say, you talk about that date um, in August that he can't be moved. I, I do think there are deals like if, the Grizzlies got involved with, with, say, a KD deal as a facilitator or a Kyrie Irving deal as a facilitator. There are deals where you could move him and attach him with picks, I think, that you get some. Just yeah, like yeah. the deal I talk about, it depends, like San Antonio. San Antonio is said to be willing to take on Russell Westbrook just to facilitate a Lakers deal because I think they're in full-out sale mode. So you look at that contract. Yaka Pertle, for instance, the guy that I brought up, he has a $9 million. He's at $9 million for the season. You could trade Danny Green and a couple picks or a pick for him, two second rounders. I, I, me and David have talked about this. He said he wouldn't be willing to do a first. I probably would, uh, with, with, with along with Danny Green, because I think it puts you into a good position uh, at the at the trade deadline. Because you got you'd have both of your you have Stephen Adams on expiring. You got Yaka Pert on expiring, so it would allow you to kind of make a decision, especially when you have a guy that Jaron coming back and you kind of be overloaded there. It kind of allows you to be have some flexibility there to make some decisions. So I think you could see him go out in a deal like that. But, I mean, I don't have any problems with him sticking around at all uh, for all the reasons we mentioned. I mean, I just think he'd be fantastic in his locker room. And there are some questions on whether he can get back. But as David said, I'm not super concerned about it because he's not a guy that's taking off, dunking on anybody, blowing by anybody anyway. You just need him standing in the corner and knock down shots. And it doesn't take a lot of athleticism to do that. So I think he'll still be able to do that even if it age, at his age and coming off that injury. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting because I think he could be a valuable piece for this team in the playoffs. Because as they say, you can never have enough shooting. Um, and this team could definitely stand to have more shooters. So he, he could definitely fill that role and fill that veteran role in the locker room because he's a guy that's really been there. Like, I mean, some guys have had to have a couple of teams in playoffs. He's been in finals, been in the wars. I mean, he's really, really been there and I think has a lot to bring. I mean, you saw him over there talking to Coach Jenkins, pointing. I'm sure they were talking about things that were going on into the floor, going on on the floor, and I think he can really help this team in that way. And he seems to really be fitting in. And I also like the fact that he seems to want to be here. So that Because him being at Summer League with the guys, that I was really impressed by that because that shows me 
that he's bought in with this. So, again, man, if they decide to keep him on, man, I, I don't have any problem with that at all. Yeah, you didn't see any of the other pieces that the Grizzlies kind of had short-term. You did not really see no. them around the other players. Some of it was very short-term, but it just, this just feels different. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. And you're right in that. He can be moved by himself with picks. You just can't – he can't be moved for two months yeah. with another player. So, you can't do – you know, you talked about, you know, maybe Tilly being thrown in as filler or whatever. You can't package Danny Green and Tilly yeah. until after August. So, we'll see what happens with it. Still a lot of time in this offseason, a lot of moves that could possibly be made. May not be any big moves made. It may just be like, okay, you know, Tilly, we appreciate what you've done, but because of the injury history, we're going to have to let you go. He's going to yeah, take his money and go down the road, and he'll get a contract <laughs> somewhere else because he oh, has no the doubt. skills. Uh, it just can he stay healthy. So we'll see what happens there. We appreciate you guys. The Grizzlies, I was confused. I thought they played again tomorrow. They don't play again until Thursday. Yeah, they play Thursday. Yeah, yeah 2.30. Thursday, so, they, you know, we've got a day off here in between the games. So maybe they don't rest anybody. Maybe the day off means that uh, they push for this. They try to win. I know the Summer League title don't mean a whole lot. The, the rings look pretty cool this year. Oh, I was going to say, at the ring this year, though, man. I'm, I'm yeah, trying to get yeah. one of the rings if I'm them. But well, well, real quick, what so, about our guy Ease Buns, man? I didn't even know he had signed with Brooklyn. Uh, saw him out there. I was surprised to see him out there tonight. I didn't even didn't even realize that until I saw him out there on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we saw what what he is. I, I think that I feel like he will eventually find his way to a, an NBA rotation. Just the, the way that he plays, man. He he is. Yeah, he just plays hard, super athletic. Plays yep. hard above the rim. I mean, I think he could find a niche. Uh, yeah. Because he's just so so athletic. I mean, he he's not a guy that you're gonna expect running plays for, expect a lot of scoring. He's just a guy that can come in, bring energy off the bench, and you gotta know what it what what he is. So I, I definitely think he'll have a role, and I'm, I'm glad to see him out there, man. I hope he hope he finds a spot somewhere. Yeah, yeah. If you can defend at a high level, you can almost guarantee you'll find a spot on an NBA roster somewhere. And and, and I feel like Pons can already do that. Um, well, we'll see what happens with him, and if Brooklyn goes into full-on rebuild, you you may see that man get some NBA rotation minutes this year with uh, that team tanking for Victor. Yeah, because they they're, they're gonna they're gonna have do they even own their first round pick next year? I don't even know. I don't know anything about their pick situation, but we're not gonna run down that path. It's, this is not a Nets podcast. This <laughs> is the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. I am David Williams. You can get me on Twitter at d will. Ah, look at it. I'm messing it up, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm about to say that ain't it. At NBA D Will 2 1. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. Candace, on to yeah. you, ma'am. Yeah, so we are uh excited about hopefully this next game. I really hope that they go ahead and show put that competitive edge and, and go ahead and play their players, man. Even if you don't play Tillman as I just want to see the rookies out um for this next game. Excited about that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Candace H901. That's C-A-N-D-A-C-E-H901. Take us out, Isaac. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's double underscore. Wanted to get wanted to get one underscore, man, but they said somebody already had it, man. So I had to go with the double underscore. Don't love it, but uh, that's that's what it is, man. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Make sure you give us like and a follow. We definitely appreciate that. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll definitely be back with a post game uh, sometime in the next couple of days. Grizzlies got a day off, uh, so it'll be interesting 
hopefully they play all their guys, man. It's, want to see them go three and one. Want to see them have an opportunity to get one of those rings, man. They, they look good. Uh, I really, really like the way those rings look. Would be nice to have another summer league championship and walk on with those rings. So that would be awesome. So make sure you keep it locked right here. Uh, for David, Kansas, and Isaac, Simpson, and next time, uh, until next time, sorry, we're gone.